0: to another episode of Lie, cheat and steal the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves and bullshitters. I'm your host Pat Sorois with me as always my co-host Kat Barbadoro. Hey Pat, how's it going? It's going good. Going good. Uh wrapping up this well, I'm wrapping up the quarantine. I don't know what's happening, but I'm still here at my house. So I don't know Allegedly what's
1: going. allegedly Texas is wrapping up the quarantine. Uh I don't know if I'd recommend people in Texas wrap up the quarantine, yeah. but They've opened stuff up, right? or today is today the first day of stuff being open?
0: I guess maybe I'm so deep off in my fucking bubble these days that, like I don't know if things are open or not. Like I have no clue. I really, really cannot wait to get a haircut, though, man. I am <laughs> i it, it's criminal what's going on in my head right now. Like I've always kept like a pretty like, I was trying to keep a pretty clean ass fade going on. and, there is no semblance of a fade on my head. Like the sides of my head, you couldn't tell I ever had a haircut. It's disgusting. <laughs> just,
1: just be careful. Please oh, be yeah, careful. Yeah, yeah. If I, you I, Go I, get a haircut. Like, I don't know. I like learn to, do you have, you have a beard trimmer. I'm assuming you could probably figure out how to buzz it. Right.
0: I'm I'm sure I could. I, I just, uh, me and my hair have a very, I, I'm not going to go until things are safe or whatever. I'm not like trying to like, open the economy for my head, but like, <laughs> you know, like I, I, you know, I keep, I, 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 don't, I came from a military family we were always had haircuts and where i grew up at just you know that was the style keep your shoes yeah up. you
1: gotta have your high and tight yeah
0: i gotta and then like so i've like i have a wild fade my beard's out of control i definitely homeless people have stopped asking me for money so that's a good <laughs> <laughs> oh man but uh how are you still up there in uh, new hampshire
1: I am, yeah. I think... Uh, I, I I was just talking to my parents about when, like... So they have to drive me back, so I'm kind of at their, like, mercy of, like, when they will allow me to leave, which yeah. is, like, <laughs> causing a little bit of tension, because uh, I definitely want to leave before uh, they want me to leave to go back yeah, to New York, yeah. <laughs> but hopefully hopefully by the end of the month or like early june i will be back because uh i'm i'm getting extremely bored i'm ready like i just i'm not at my house like i'd rather be bored in my home than in my parents home like but i don't know it's the weather's nice i can go on bike rides and stuff here so that's nice but yeah yeah yeah. i'm still uh still up in new hampshire for now
0: yeah i started working construction again so i mean it's pretty cool it's like i'm outside i uh i'm really only seeing like the two dudes I work with, so it's not like I'm going to like crowded places and nobody's at mm-hmm. the house that we're working at. Uh, it is fun to think that like for the next six months I don't have I was supposed to be on tour already. That's that's not happening, obviously. Yeah, I don't have, I don't have gigs, I don't have shows, I don't have anything. I just have work, and like that's kind. of, I don't know, it's kind of a relaxing feeling, just be like, yeah, I'm gonna get up, go to work, clock out, and you know, just be a dude, <laughs> Being a
1: normal dude who has like, yeah. yeah, isn't trying to like fulfill some creative impulse.
0: Yeah, compared. yeah. It it is is cool because, like, it's like, I I said this before, but it's like, if every, like, everyone had to stop doing stand-up, so it doesn't really suck to me. It's like, if everybody else is out there, like, making gains and shit, you know, I'd be like, (laughs) oh, this sucks. But yeah, I'm just, it's just, you know, nobody can do it. So it's kind of like a little relieved, a relieving little time off, you know?
1: Yeah, it's like an enforced vacation. I'm I'm starting to really miss it. I was just thinking about today how, like, the thing that sucks is, like, the things that make stand-up work are all things that make it a potential site of communicable disease in a way that's like very frustrating like the best venues for stand-up are like small very cramped people sit really close together the ceilings are really low you're really close to the performer like all of the things that you can't do now are like the things that make it work and even when they like start reopening stuff it's like doing shows outside kind of sucks. Like it's not Yeah, yeah. It, you, like a patio will work. Okay. But like you can't do stand up in like a field. Like it just doesn't, Yeah. <laughs> if people are have to stand six feet away from each other to watch, like it's not going to be good. And yeah. so I'm just like, I'm, I'm bummed. I really yeah. missed it.
0: It, it, de- it definitely does. So I did one of those, uh, those zoom shows mm-hmm. and, uh, and I mean, God, bless it was like comedy way and people that put it together. I love those girls and, and guy. They're great. Uh, but the show was just like oh it was not fun you <laughs> know it was like
1: I can't do it I just like it just makes me miss the real thing like I can't do a zoom show like it's just too much of a
0: bummer yeah. but at
1: least we're podcasting so yeah we that's have this
0: fun. we have this yeah I, uh, <laughs> I was when I was uh because I didn't I would, didn't want to do one of those and then I just got drunk one night and like the 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 email was in my inbox, I just ignored it. And it was like, 2 a.m. is like texting your ex. I was like, fuck it, oh, I missed it, I'm all yeah. done. <laughs> I replied, to him, yeah, I'm in. And then like, I like thought about it the next day, I was like, oh, what'd I do? <laughs> 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 oh man, well, uh, you know, that being said, I have a lot of time these days. Uh, and sure. I found something, and I'm not saying that I I do light research sometimes, but you know, just how you're busy, you find something, you get the information you can. I fell into a rabbit hole this last week. Really? And yeah, this is just crazy. I want to talk to y'all today about the Rager Dykes Auto Group. Uh, and this was brought to my attention by my neighbor uh, who was outside smoking a joint and I was just shouting from six feet away. And we were talking about the podcast, and he—he's from Lubbock. And this is where this takes place. And he mentioned the story. I looked it up, and I was like, "How have I never heard about this?" Uh, basically. There's a car dealership and it's an auto group. It's in Lubbock. Uh, it's it's a it was a huge thing. It basically had 22 store locations. Uh, they were kind of a linchpin of the Lubbock economy. And okay, what,
1: what's it called?
0: It's called the Rager Dykes Auto Group.
1: Rager Dykes Auto Group. Okay. Yeah, they so sold cars.
0: They sold cars. Oh, yeah, they sold a lot of cars. They sold cars that didn't exist, actually. lot. <laughs> okay. They did a oh, lot, of-,
1: okay. did a lot of
0: weird stuff. Yeah. I didn't know all the ways that were out there to, uh, to, to ripely scam, uh, not, not the customer either. You know, there's a, it's a crazy one. So I was going to go ahead and dive right in. Let's um, do it. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have any, if uh, we have any listeners from Texas, if you've ever been to Lubbock west texas it's kind of like its own little area out in texas it's like um it's like the the canada of texas if that makes any sense like how so well it's just because it's like it's west texas is out in the middle of nowhere and they have like it it, it's not even out in the middle of nowhere it is the middle of nowhere it's like yeah it's It's, and like
1: where lubbock is is weird too because there's like there's sort of two parts of west texas there's like there's the desert part, like there's Big Bend and El Paso and like Southwest Texas, like on the border. And that is like its own thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like,
1: and and that's kind of like, it's extremely remote, but it's also like, there's interesting stuff out there. Like Marfa's out there. There's like, it's scenic. It's pretty in this kind of like, very alien landscape sort of way. Like you go out there and you go camping or something. And then there's like, Amarillo, Lubbock, Midland, like the panhandle West Texas, which is like flat and remote and like ugly and not yeah. interesting. Yeah,
0: it's really, I love the state <laughs> of the whole. Like, I, I, uh, I'm the kind. Of, I said before. I'm the kind of guy. I will buy a Texas flag shower curtain. I love my oh, state. Oh yeah. But you just got to be honest with yourself. There's some parts of it where you're just like, shit. Man. <laughs> like, it's bleak.
1: It's and just it, like Texas really is like it. It really is its own country, and it has yeah. like it has regions in the way that like I'm from New Hampshire, which is incredibly small, and like every state in the Northeast is so small. You don't have multiple sort of worlds existing in one state and in texas yeah. you really really do
0: yeah like in north in like the panhandle it gets like cold as shit <laughs> like which is an yeah. odd thing for texas but uh, so enough uh, enough of uh of uh, S and Lubbock's D over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a it's a uh a a it's it's almost like a combination of like the Southwest and the Midwest. I would yeah. say I, I It's very they... car dependent, so it makes sense yeah. that a a card scam would happen out there. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. I, I found out they have a name out there. I never heard of the, the South Plains. They call the the okay. The yeah, the South Plains. I was like, yeah, that makes it sense. Makes oh. sense. Well, we're gonna dive right in here. The we're about the Rager Dykes Auto Group. Now, the Rager Dykes Reger Dykes Auto Group was a car dealership conglomerate formed in Lubbock, Texas in 2006 by former Texas Tech football star-turned-car-dealer Bart Rager and former Texas Tech football coach-turned-real-estate-developer Rick Dykes. That's another
1: thing that people should know about Texas is that, like, Every every major business is owned by someone who used to play college football.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, you know it's so true. And they're like, and if they're not, it's like, yeah, you know, like, do you really trust them? Like, you know, yeah, like, exactly. Like, I we have like Earl Campbell's hot links down here. It's just hilarious. It's like, yeah, I will only eat sausages made by a former Houston oiler, and that is it. Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: <laughs> So yeah, they uh, basically this this place they formed it in 2006, in between 2006 and 2018, uh, Rager and Dykes would grow their business to include 22 dealerships spanning all over West Texas. Uh, they would eventually buy iconic downtown Lubbock real estate and spearhead a campaign to rejuvenate the financially depressed area of Lubbock uh, downtown. You know kind of, you know, not really popping or wasn't, I should say. Yeah. So at their peak, they employed like 800 people. They were closing in on doing a billion dollars annually in sales. Uh, and at one point they were the number four online auto retailer in America. Oh, so,
1: wow. So they weren't just selling in Lubbock.
0: No, no. Yeah. They were, they were, they were selling like, you know, all over the nation. Cause you know, you can do that. I've had sales jobs like in the pawn shop where an hour a day, they want you online and mm-hmm. shit. You know? mm-hmm. So yeah, so they, 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 they locked that up, but, uh, what they also did was they uh, are now out of business, and they're kind of forcing a lot of downtown on the verge of it is on the verge of an economic collapse because in 2018, an audit by their primary lender, Ford Motor Company, uncovered a massive floor plan financing scheme uh, to the tune of 115 million dollars over the course of 12 years. Yeah, so yeah, I was going to dive right in on this one. And uh, this is
1: 2018; they got busted.
0: It's 2018; they got busted. So okay. Uh, The story of Rieger Dykes Auto Group is, in many ways, the story of Bart Rieger. Uh, Bart... Bart owned the business with his former partner, Rick Dykes, but for over a decade, Bart was the highly visible face of their company. Uh, in addition to selling close to a billion dollars automobiles in their final year of being a business, Rager Dykes also spearheaded efforts to rejuvenate downtown Lubbock and sponsored dozens of community outreach programs. And in the front of all of these commercials and fundraisers and ribbon cuttings was Bart Rager. And, I can see uh,
1: that. Did you have that in your, in your hometown, like your local auto dealership with sponsorship?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It was you know, like you know, uh, there's so many little league jerseys with auto yeah. yeah, I
1: played. I played. There was uh, the one in my town was owned by the Grapponi family, and Ooh. it was Gra- Grapponi <laughs> Auto Auto Junction, and they like literally the softball field was Grapponi Field. Like they oh, sponsored man. all of it. Like, yeah, I just feel like that's like a big thing. Like auto dealerships yeah. are. You, they will, they like a, try to give back to the community.
0: Yeah, they, yeah, they do because I mean, everybody needs a car and a lot. And they, these guys did a lot of good. Uh, do, do you remember all the auto dealership jingles? Those are always the ones that stick in your head. Oh like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Johnson Brothers Ford, making it happen. Another, Hell yeah. Like, so anyway, so. Yeah, uh, and so Bart's level of involvement in the public-facing aspect of this company uh, it lends credence to and debunks his own claim that he was completely unaware of the massive fraud that was going on around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because when it all came out, you know, everybody. So died. does he? Do uh, they?
1: Do each of the partners try to pin it on each other? Is it one of those situations? No,
0: they. Well, they have other places to pin it because there's there's okay. a lot of a lot of moving parts in this one. Uh, a, a big figure is their CFO, uh, their chief financial officer, Shane Smith. So. Um, i'll start out by saying i do ultimately believe that bart had to know about this ridiculous level of bullshit, hmm. uh, and it's it's but it was so much was happening under uh chief financial officer shane smith it's kind of like it's impossible to believe that he didn't know what was going on but this dude also it was kind of separated from it. a lot of those guys that own these dealerships like they're they're some of them are involved in the day-to-day others aren't but it seems like he was but Yeah, Uh, he he probably
1: at least knew something shady was going on. Had to, had
0: to. So Bart Rager's story begins in 1967. He was born in the Dallas-Fort Worth suburb of Richardson, Texas. And as you just said, small Texas towns have a knack for forging community leaders in the fires of high school football. Sure. Uh, Bart's tenure as a defensive back for Berkner High School wasn't necessarily one of great renown, but it helped him secure a walk-on role to the Texas Tech Red Raider football program, and he arrived for the 84-85 to season and played for all four years. Um, Now, when you're a walk-on player, you're not guaranteed a chance to play. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bart was a phenomenal talent, but he's a hard worker, and he would eventually see time on the field under the direction of the team's offensive coordinator and uh, his later business partner, Rick Dykes. Now, Rick was actually the son of the legendary and, at the time, head coach, uh, Spike Dykes. He was the Texas Tech uh, Red Raiders coach. And he's just, you know, a huge local legend with an awesome name, Spike Dykes. Come on. Yeah. yeah. So Bart so Rager, these
1: guys met when one of them was the coach of the other one, huh? Yes. Yeah, there's a little bit of an agent. Yeah, a little bit of yeah. an Yeah.
0: So uh, Bart Rieger played there for four seasons. He also went to the business school that's attached to Texas Tech called Rawls Rawls School of Business. Um, His senior year, in an effort to make a little bit of money, Bart took a job as a car salesman. Uh, And then right out the gate, you know, Bart discovered that the industry, this industry that would bring him his fortune was one that he had a lot of skill in. Uh, He said he took the selling cars like a fish to water. He had natural charisma and innate drive for success. It kind of made him a perfect fit for the job. I remember growing growing up, people would always be like, hey man you should sell cars and i always thought that was really cool And i got older and realized that was people telling me i'm full of shit so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you mentioned that on the podcast before you just have like you just have like a scammy personality i guess
0: i do man yeah i talk fast by the way are you noticing you're having to relearn social cues because i kind of conquered my fast talking and social settings kind of and everything i've worked for is out the window <laughs> like what do talking, you mean i'm talking to people again and i'm just like as i'm talking to them like at work i'm like you are Going a mile a minute right now, dog. Calm down. <laughs> oh,
1: like you think because of like quarantine? Because you've been like isolated? Yeah, yeah forgotten how to like be a person.
0: Yeah, all my little social cues and things that you work at and pick up on and stuff out the window. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know if I had the time to to, to devote another thirty four years to learning them again. I'll be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's like it's hard for me to tell because like I don't think I've talked to anyone who isn't my family, like in person. Yeah. I don't think I've talked to anyone except like maybe like a cashier or yeah. something. Like <laughs> yeah. I mean I've had like work like Zoom conferences and stuff, but yeah, I don't yeah, know. I'll uh, have to I'll have to keep an eye out for that. Yeah,
0: yeah, you'll you'll notice that we are all becoming socially inept. So. Everyone
1: is yeah. That's the thing is like at least it's happening to everyone.
0: Exactly. We're not alone. So um <laughs> Yeah, so Bert, yeah, so he, bought, he bounced around Lubbock, era, the Lubbock area for years. He uh, worked at different car dealerships. He was one of those dudes, you know, putting up big numbers, cashing checks. Uh, his former career is playing for Lubbock's Pride and Joy, Texas Tech. didn't hurt. He cultivated a big customer base. Eventually, in 2003, using his own capital, uh, Bart founded the Rager Auto Mall at 1211 19th Street in downtown Lubbock. Uh, the mall, at first, it was a used car only lot, uh, he had five employees. And he, you know, definitely leaned really heavily on his football reputation. And sure. From 2003 to 2006, Bart grew the Rager Auto Mall almost exponentially. He made it a point to hire sales staff that reflected his own drive for success. And to his credit, he did earn a reputation for having the best commissions in town. Um, and that'll that'll get you salespeople coming, you know.
1: Yeah. But, if he if he's like, so he's treating people fairly at this point. He's not yeah, scam.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, people, yeah. It was a from all accounts, it was a good place to work. Uh, he kept in close contact with all of his like, connections from his Texas Tech days, including Rick Dykes. Uh, Rick had left coaching in 1995 to grow his real estate business in Florida. And by 2006, he returned to Lubbock with a sizable amount of capital to invest in a business. Now, the success of Bart's car dealership was a perfect opportunity. And eventually, the two would hammer out the details and form the Rager Dykes Auto Group. Uh, the goal, according to Bart, was clear from day one. Be the best place in Lubbock to buy a car and also the best place in Lubbock to sell a car. So you know, he wanted the you know, best of the best. Uh, and like real quick, they set out uh, to craft, like, you know, I don't even work sales jobs, like those sales culture where it's like, you know, snap next cash checks, baby. Like, you really got to put some work to like building and cultivating that. And yeah, uh, yeah,
1: that like, that like the, you're like, the challenge doesn't stop once you've gotten the job. It's like definitely a, like, you yeah. got to keep those commissions coming in.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah. And some people, you know, take really well to it. I've worked sales and like when I apply myself, I'm really good. And, the, you know, when I'm, R- rushing out the door to make it to a show. I don't do good. So, you know, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so they actually, they set that out trying to instill that in their workplace. Uh, one cool thing they did, they actually, uh, they drove up, um, or they paid for all of their, uh, employees to have gym memberships. So yeah, okay. cool, yeah. yeah. So as the business grew, so did their need for qualified people, not only on the sales floor, but also in the home office. Uh, this led to the hiring of Shane Smith as their chief financial officer. So, Shane Smith, since 1997, had worked as an operations manager for the Dallas Office of Ford Finance. That's the banking and lending arm of the automobile giant. Uh, Shane was a valuable asset for the growing company, and he maintained a close relationship with his replacement at Ford Finance, Gary Byrd Jr., and uh, he really streamlined the financing process between the two entities and provided a quick and easy route for the money to flow to them from Ford. So uh out the gate he made a few good decisions. Uh, he saw all the money they were spending on the gym memberships and he decided it was much more cost effective to just build their own fitness center. So he didn't that's do that.
1: That's like pretty sick honestly. Although yeah, yeah. I like I so I'm nostalgic for it now since I've been I haven't been able to go to my office in like 2 months but I work in my day job is in the same building as uh, the school gym that I get to use and oh, like cool. On one hand, it's really great to have a gym at your work. On the other hand, if you use exercise to like unwind from things like your work, it kind of oh, sucks. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> having a gym at your work is like a little bit like you you sort of wish there was a little more of a boundary there. But yeah. Anyway, still pretty still pretty cool though.
0: Yeah, as a guy who does not like sharing gym space with anybody, like I, I work out or worked out at the Sandstone Gym, mm-hmm. and uh, even though even you know, as all Austin comics, we don't even live there anymore, we still use all their facilities. But, sure, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I man, if I walk in there like if somebody's like not around the corner of the treadmills if they're like in the weight area or vice versa and like they're like in my shit, I'll just leave. <laughs> like, I just, yeah. I'd
1: so now imagine that's a coworker, like that's yeah
0: exactly that's what I'm saying yeah I can't even it's it's like neighbors and I can't stand it <laughs> yeah so um yeah so that that was uh, they were making big moves you know treating their employees right the business was growing um so they did they, they they made their uh, their big move they were downtown they were on 19th Street downtown Lubbock and they made the move to uh, there's these two long vacant but iconic downtown Lubbock buildings it's the Mirat Green Building and the Cobb Building. Uh, They're at 1215 Avenue J. Uh, They're the tallest. At one point, they were the tallest buildings ever built in Lubbock. Uh, And it was the first multi story office building. Uh, When it was opened in 1928, its offices had dentists, chiropractors, attorneys, and insurance salesmen. Uh, They have advertisements of businesses opening at the Murick building, like, you know, way from way back in 1928. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's really iconic buildings. However, in the 1990s, uh, downtown Lubbock kind of went on a financial decline. And they were actually vacant for 20 years. Nobody was in these huge buildings downtown. And um, so Rager Dykes secured the downtown location to serve as a showroom for a high-end dealership. Uh, But they had a much bigger idea in mind. The property was equipped with a bar, a restaurant. They built a state-of-the-art conference center. Uh, they also moved the employee gym to the premises and opened it to the public, which is tight, but also like if you're an employee, you're like, oh, that's okay.
1: <laughs> now it's just like a gym. Now you just yeah, also yeah. own a gym. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. right, yeah, man, I, I didn't even think about that. Now they, now they can make money off that, shit. So, uh, Bart Rager, this is the guy, he spoke to the, by the way, Lubbock has the coolest newspaper name. It's called the Avalanche Journal. <laughs>
1: pretty good
0: yeah so bart rager spoke to the avalanche journal upon the completion of the property in 2016 had this to say he said uh my hope is that we have some regular people that stop by and grab some coffee and make it a regular deal talk a little bit before they go to work Uh, i hope it'll be the catalyst to get downtown kicked off we love the downtown area i think it's going to be a building that all of lubbock can be proud of my goal is to make lubbock a better place to live i'm doing things right now that will hopefully positively affect my grandchildren if we all try to leave things a little bit better, that's the goal. I want to be able to do something that makes a positive difference for everybody.
1: Also, classic yeah. car dealership. <laughs> <Yeah. book guy.
0: laughs> like even like, I know this guy's full of shit. And I was like, hell yeah, Bart. I,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, a lot of times they do do real philanthropy, but that is what yeah. they all sound like.
0: Yeah, ex- exactly. Exactly. I, I love that. Like that. I used to play football and now I work in business talk, you know, like, hey, we're going to get out there. Just do a positive thing for everybody. Have some fun. Put some points on the board. <laughs> uh, so though growing a business of that size, the size that Rager Dykes would become, obviously not an easy task. It takes a lot of hard work, also a lot of money. Uh, selling cars isn't cheap, and to keep 22 dealerships, stocked with vehicles, need vast financial backing. Rager, Rager Dykes secured this through their CFO, Shane Smith's former employer, Ford Finance. So the method through which dealerships, this is kind of interesting, how they get the funding for purchasing vehicles, it's called floor plan financing. So essentially, a lender... Uh, Will enter a trust agreement with a dealer, and when a customer buys or sells a vehicle in the dealership, Ford Finance provides the cash. Uh, on a large scale, this essentially creates an open avenue in which hundreds of thousands of dollars are deposited into the accounts of a business on a daily basis. Because you know, like they have 22 locations, and you know, cars aren't cheap. So, right.
1: Yeah, and they have to put them all there.
0: Yeah, and so the dealership is they're you know, beholden to a few stipulations. Vehicles purchased with Ford's money need to be present and accounted for in the event of an audit. They also mm-hmm. have to be sold within a state-mandated seven-day period. So, you know, like, like or, or paid off you or, uh, you know, or have payments made towards the balance.
1: Right. Uh, okay. So that, like, that makes sense. So you have like sort of a rotating inventory of cars that you're, you're effectively kind of leasing them yes. to put in your showroom and then you pay it off as cars sell.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so uh, on smaller deals, I watched a bunch of things about this and I called my, uh, my old boss's husband. Uh, who owns a car dealership, and, and talked to him for a bit. Man, yeah, you I, really went
1: uh, inside I, on this. I went in.
0: I went in. I love the guy, and uh, I he gave me 20 minutes of good information, and then I had to politely listen about how uh, they have abortion on demand in New York City. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you for sacrificing for this yeah, uh, podcast.
0: I just, and I, I couldn't say anything. I was just like, oh, that's what a shame, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, uh, David, if you're listening, thank you for the help. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, with small dealerships, they can they can easily monitor that, and like they actually, like a lot of places. Um, a lot of the videos I saw and what I heard from Homeboy is that like if you now, uh, for plan financing, at least for the small guys, is just predatory lending, um, you know, with hmm. like two hundred and fifty thousand dollar credit lines and shit, you know. So basically, a lot of the guys say it's it's a scam because it's your car, and I guess it's a big thing in car dealing when like you buy a car. You know, people are like, hey, it's what I sell it, that's mine, and so that's why you always see these car guys driving around and whatever's on their lot, you know. Yeah, and if you floor plan, you can't do that, and that seemed to be the biggest complaint uh, among all the truck guy videos that I watched. It was just dudes in Oakley's in their truck being like, Now you bought this car, you can't even fucking drive the thing, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> So basically the small the small people are are easy to to not police but it's like to keep an eye on the inventory you know. Uh, right it,
1: yeah it's a lot easier to sort of, it, it or it's a lot harder to pretend you have a car that you don't actually physically have.
0: Yeah exactly like yeah when you're when you're lots next to the waterburger and it's the same size as the parking lot like you, you can't right. really yeah, come up with shit but Rager Dykes was doing at towards the end upwards of 700,000 in sales a year or 700 million in sales yearly. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're they nearing a billion dollars in, in sales. So, it's like, it's a lot of just, you know, you take them at their word. Those things are there. What do you do? Send somebody down to look at every one of their 4,500 cars, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, Lubbock and West Texas as a whole was an area that the auto industry refers to as undersaturated, basically, not enough dealerships selling cars to people. And that vacuum allowed Rager Dykes with Ford's backing to expand at nearly light speed. Uh, they opened over a dozen new locations over the course of two years. They ended up employing 800 uh, people at one point, and they injected money into the uh, into the economy on a scale that really wasn't seen since the 1920s, like that big of a boom out there. Because uh, Lubbock's like far enough away where it doesn't even get like the oil boom. It's just like kind of out there. Right. right? Yeah, so- yeah,
1: there's not a lot of industry there. so um, And it's not a very big city. So yeah, if if this big chain of auto dealerships, especially because like, Another thing about Texas, especially like rural Texas, is like the people live on these like big plots of land, these big like ranches, and so it's really not uncommon for one person to have like multiple cars because you have like you have your like junky truck that you drive around your ranch, then you have your regular car. Like I I can imagine even in like an economically depressed town, a car dealership doing pretty well.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and there's a lot of like small ass towns out there. Like they owned, uh, they named one a dealership after. Uh, Rick's dad Spike, uh Spikes Dyke Nissan and Spike's Dyke Nissan and uh Spike Dyke's Nissan. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> uh and they that was um that was out in La Mesa. And La Mesa mm-hmm. is a little blip on the map when you're driving to El Paso. Like my friend had family out there and it's just like it's 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 West Texas town where it looks like it's made of fucking like you know particle board. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah like sure there's other parts to it, but it's like it's a very small town. So like you know a car dealership there, it's like there's you know, probably more people that wanting to buy cars than there are, you know, people to sell them to them. Yeah. So, so uh, but yeah, so by all accounts, uh, Rager Dykes definitely was a, an incredible place to work. Um, Bart Rager never strayed from his principles in regards to employee compensation. The commission structure far exceeded the market standard. And so a job selling cars at any of their locations can easily bring in six figures. Uh, and the service centers were sprawling state-of-the-art facilities. Their downtown hub at the Merritt green and Cobb buildings became the center of a newly bustling downtown. Uh, it was apparent to anyone paying attention. They were doing something big and they had like, we talked about that sales guy culture and there's some audio that somebody recorded, uh, from a sales meeting and it's, yeah, it's like a halftime speech. He's just in there and it's this is <laughs> Bart, Bart Rager. And he's just like, man, if you want to come here and you want to work. You want to, you know, snap next and cash checks? We can do it, man. And uh, he fucking, he said one amazing quote that I tweeted from the account without context. He basically he's giving this this speech to his workers, and it's like, kind of profanity laden. He's just, you know, like, hey, man, if you want to come here, you want to fucking do your thing. We can make some money. And but one thing that he said that was just hilarious. He goes. Uh, he was like, you know, hard work and dedication—they're gonna make you stand out like a diamond in a goat's ass. <laughs> Ew. Okay. Yeah, and then, he, and then he said, "Look, I'm not saying you know we're in a goat's ass, but I mean, hell, we're in Lubbock." Huge laugh. <laughs> oh. <So, Aww. laughs> uh, he also he kept a, a picture above his desk of Tom Landry, and uh, you know, and it was the famous quote: uh, "Quote uh, winning isn't the winning winning isn't everything; it's the only thing." Nice. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh yeah, they were so they were they're they're growing big, they're you know, being a huge phil- philanthropic phil- philanthropic yeah, that's um, right. yeah, philanthropic force in town, you know, they're on a meteoric rise. Uh, but you know, when you're giving out that much money, you know, like how are you simultaneously donating to scores of charities, pumping millions into rejuvenating downtown, and you know, also paying your sales teams above market commissions? You know, the short how do you do that? The short answer is, well, you really don't. <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, Rager Dykes was making close to a billion in sales in the years leading up to to the events of the story, but they were cash poor, and their CFO Shane Smith found a solution. So Shane's kind of laissez fair relationship with Ford Finance allowed him a few liberties. Uh, if he requested twenty or thirty grand to buy a customer, you know, to buy a customer's car, you know, and finance the purchase of a new one, it was granted, no questions asked. So what's to stop him from saying they needed money for a vehicle that they already owned, or? Yeah. Well, stop them from saying they need money to, for a vehicle they already sold or saying they need money for a vehicle that didn't even exist. So uh, ideally, this would be stopped dead in its tracks by a diligent employee. A finance manager at a location would be well aware if the VIN number they're submitting to Ford is fraudulent or an accountant would notice that they bought the same car six times. But, uh, what happens when, but what happens when all of your general managers are in on it and your accounting department for all intents and purposes, is essentially a fraud department, <laughs> and uh, yeah,
1: just a, they're just laundering money at that. point.
0: Yeah, yeah. In your company's CFO is best friends with the head of your financial backer, uh, so yeah. Basically, when Shane Smith left Ford Finance, his replacement was a guy named Gary Bird Jr. And he's the man responsible for floating hundreds of thousands of dollars to the auto group every day. And many people, including Bart Rager and Rick Dykes, find it hard to believe that Gary simply didn't notice the massive fraud going on right under his nose. Uh, and the fact that he was best friends with Shane Smith makes that even less plausible. So let's, I want to dive into exactly what was going on at Rager Dykes Auto Group. So let's say you're shopping for a car at one of Rager Dykes dealerships. You found a Ford F-150. They got it going for $27,000. Uh, you got a truck you're still making payments on let's say they appraise it for 10 grand and you still owe three grand on it to the bank. So Rager Dykes says, hey, not only will we give you 10 grand for your truck, we'll also pay off the remaining 3,000. So this means they need 40,000 from Ford Finance. Ford sends the money to Rager Dykes uh, account and you drive off in a brand new truck. So the dealership has seven days to pay back that 40 grand uh, or at least make payments on it or show that they have the funds available to pay on it. Um, And so they also have to be able to present your old truck and verify that it's in their inventory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they, and they have, um, and they also have to pay off the remaining three grand in your truck. So that's where that $40,000 goes. Mm-hmm. R- Rager Dykes didn't do that. At least not right away. Uh, Shane Smith knew there were dozens of other places in the business that could use 40 grand, you know, property taxes, payroll, just upkeep. Overhead was staggering. Uh, so his company relationship with Gary Byrd at Ford meant that he could use that 40 grand for those reasons first and fulfill his financial obligations later. So to pull this off and cover it up, Shane worked closely with his management and accounting staff. Uh, and like I said, the accounting department at Rager Dykes was essentially a fraud, a fraud department.
1: Yeah, like uh, multiple people had to kind of be in on this in order to move the money around. I'm assuming. Yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and what they did was, so to move the money around, they to cover up their auto their floor plan financing scheme, they embarked on an, an equally large check kiting scheme. So check kiting is the act of moving funds between accounts to either generate cash that isn't there or to inflate accounts, inflate an account's worth to defraud an auditor. So Mm -hmm. Ritter Dykes had 19 different bank accounts with several banks. And uh, here's what an average day in their accounting department might look like. And this is based off of info that investigators gained from hundreds of emails that Shane sent to his his assistant, Ashley Dunn, as well as other members of the accounting staff and several members of the upper management team. So they would, they, somebody reported one of their uh, employees, Whitney Maldonado, yeah. So on, uh, she was the 11th person to plead guilty in, in this case. Uh, so basically she was saying that, um, basically their, their day would start, it, she said it wasn't uncommon at the start of the business day for their accounts to be negative, sometimes as much as $900,000. Um, yeah, <laughs> that is, uh, yeah it would be funny if, like, you're nine hundred, you're 900 grand short, and, and like they give you a thirty-six dollar non-sufficient funds fee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, they you're overdraft. <laughs>
0: kicks in. Yeah, like, look, we're only gonna charge you for one one transaction, but we do have to hit you with that thirty-six.
1: Like, ah, oh, uh, goddamn uh, it, yeah,
0: yeah, bullshit. <laughs> and so, employees would then, uh, so yeah, throughout the day, Shane would email amounts of money that were being deposited by Ford. Uh, employees would then cross deposit that money into several accounts. Meaning that, let's say they get a hundred grand sent over from Ford, uh, they would false they would falsely represent that to be five hundred grand by just depositing it from account to account to account.
1: Right, like Uh, they deposit that hundred grand in multiple places at once.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so they would just hope to cover their asses, you know, by the close of business, and which they would do. So, uh, yeah, because basically um, lenders routinely need to be shown that funds are available. You don't necessarily have to pay on it, but just to assure them that you have liquid, you know, your liquidity available. Right. So this was orchestrated by moving the funds around from account to account. Uh, they would refer to the accounts based on the color of the check stock. So for example, two accounts were uh, were with First Bank and Trust, and another one was called First Capital Bank. First Bank and tr- Trust had blue check stock, and First Capital had red. So throughout the day, uh, they would just get routine emails from Shane that would say, 285 from red to blue. And that okay, made-
1: so so what they would do is they would take the 100000 that they got from the lender, they would put it in blue, get a bank statement that had the money in blue. Then they'd move it to red, get a bank statement that they had it in red and so on and so forth. Yes. Am I understanding yeah. this right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, what, that's, what, that's what they would be doing. And so, uh, yeah, like, so it's all day. Be like 285 from red to blue. That meant transfer 285,000 from first capital to first bank and trust. Mm-hmm. Um, then at the end of the day, he would send them the anticipated, um, number of the anticipated amount of deposits that were supposed to be in the accounts and they would just make up fucking like check amounts like you know like like random amounts like uh 30 grand 40 grand just do a total total totaled. so it just looked like random payments mm-hmm. and they would drop those into the account um, yeah
1: so you wouldn't do it all at once
0: yeah no yeah so they would just make up these amounts and hope to end and he would even send them emails that would be like okay guys time to switch up what we're doing you know, like, like you know, using language like that you know yeah and so yeah th- so they, they would keep this up so then um Another daily task of the accounting department was to go through old sales receipts and pull VIN numbers from cars that they had already sold, uh, cars that were in possession of the customers. So they would then apply for loans from Ford finance under the guise of buying the vehicle back.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah.
0: So you might be out there driving a Rager Dykes Ford truck and that car no longer belongs to you. You're still making payments on it. You're making payments towards, you know, a a, a bank that, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not hundred percent clear on because if you're still making, it would probably sold and probably paid cars. then so they would not worry about like the person making their, their payment and then the payment being like either returned or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I'd imagine these are cars that were paid off, but they would apply for loans to to buy these cars back, even though they were still just out being driven around West Texas. Um, But people don't drive to the corporate office to sell their cars. They do that at the dealership. And that's where the info has to be submitted by the branch finance manager, finance manager via secure wires to Ford. So normally, that'd be another place where that'd be the end of the line because you know uh, managers, you know, it, it would see that oh I, I, this VIN number is for a car that's not here, so right. not a problem at Rager Dykes because managers at at least six locations routinely and knowingly submitted the VIN numbers of vehicles they had never even seen. At the end of the day, they would get an email from Shane, that, you know, hey, put these VIN numbers into the to the, the sales line thing, and just put them in there. No, you know, sight unseen, no questions asked. Um, so. Every time they did this, you know, Ford would release tens of thousands of dollars. And there were employees who could basically say that this is all they did at work all day, yeah. every day for years. So imagine like, you know, you're you're stealing, you know, 50, 60, 70 grand like at a time. Sometimes, you know, what I'm saying? it's just, it's 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 wild like that amount of money just being released to them. And, yeah. Uh,
1: I mean, the the in order to like enable this level of. Uh, deception you have to it's so complicated you have to have so many people in on it it's really crazy
0: yeah and it gets like you know we talked about like I, I had that, that quote in the Statesman where we talked about like that the, the Goodfellas moment where it's just you know you're you're, you're on coke you're trying to sell silencers you got to go home and stir the sauce you know like and then yeah, the helicopters just are so you. much to do that just feels like th- that was this all the time now yeah one thing I will say um, it doesn't seem like I mean obviously you know the people at the top lived, you know, good lifestyles. They, they they were, you know, they were wealthy people, but it seems like all this stealing really wasn't to like fund some crazy, I mean, they're not Rita Cronwell buying show horses, you know, like they right. it really, it all went back into the business. And it was like, I'm not saying that makes it right or whatever, but it's just like, there was, I, I'm sure they were living comfortable lifestyles, obviously, but this was really to keep up with their growth. Cause they were buying dealerships they, they would absorb other dealerships yeah. and just like you know the overhead and the ca- and the cash you need on hand to grow a business uh, it's just you know it's staggering and this was all going back in it wasn't like there was some like Exit point where they're withdrawing fifty grand and going to the you know to, to the fucking you know Tahiti or whatever like
1: yeah yeah uh, yeah this was all to like keep keep their business running and to keep up appearances of being like a community leader
0: yes yeah exactly and it was know,
1: like this this pressure of growth that kept them doing this
0: yeah yeah it's, it's I mean uh, I, I'm not too well versed on the criticisms of capitalism but they talk about how it's just like you know like it's all about growth and there's no such thing as stasis you know <laughs> like,
1: right yeah, yeah yeah like there's yeah. no like Maybe this many people don't need cars in West Texas. Like maybe, yeah. maybe as many people as need cars right now have bought them
0: and we yeah, shouldn't yeah. keep opening dealerships. Yeah, that's man, it, it, what a crazy thought. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, um, so yeah, there was, there was, uh, they had, you know, finance managers in on it, branch managers, and it didn't stop there. The, another scam they would do is once a vehicle was in their, in quotes, in their inventory at a given location, it could then be sold to another branch.
1: So, Ah.
0: yeah. So, they could, so every time it was sold, you know, it releases another payment from Ford. Some of these non existent vehicles were quote unquote owned by up to six dealerships at once.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so, so what was Ford's reaction to all this? I'd probably be a little shocked. In 2016, 2017, and 2018, that in 2018, this is as close as the month or three months before the fallout. Ford awarded Rager Dykes dealerships uh their prestigious presidents award. Uh there those are given to Ford customers, and by customers I mean you know the dealerships, yeah. Who, who embodied excellence in customer service, sales, and record keeping. Damn. So you had yeah, you had to you had amazing
1: records. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> that
1: never happened.
0: Yeah, a fantastic, incredulous records, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but like that's 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 what makes me think. It's like, okay. Gary Bird, like, like, how does this dude not know that this is happening? You know, what I'm saying, like, if they got to report these, these, these payments like by seven days, and then you're out of trust. We kind right. of find out, like, like ninety eight percent of their inventory was out of trust. It's like, how does, how does Ford not know that? And then,
1: how do you not know that if you like walk onto the lot and know yeah. about their accounts? Like, you have yeah. to know.
0: You have to know, and then like you're you're giving them this like this award for like which like it, it's the it awards superlatives in service as far as, as regards to Ford. And so Ford is going to award, they, they want people who have smooth, clean audits and good record keeping. So it's like, these seem like prestigious awards. I mean, like, you're not just handing these things out. So it's like, you're either handing them out and not doing any of the research or you're overcompensating, you know? Like you're, you're like, you're giving them these these, these awards because, you know, you, you don't want anybody to cast any suspicion on them because right. you're, you're in on it, you know, so. Um, but yeah, so they so they they were winning awards while they were doing the exact opposite of what the awards were for. Uh, so, but as we know, throughout this episode, throughout this series, you can't keep this shit up forever. Eventually, money runs out and the cracks start to show. Because that's—I was talking to my 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 homie that or the older friend that owns the dealership, and he was first of all blown away by this. He was like, "That sounds far fetched. I don't think that could happen." I was like, "Well, it happened," <laughs> and he was like trying to like think, and he was like, "All he could come up with was a that the Ford guy knew about it." But also, he was like, all they're doing is circling around money that's going to, like, you know, it's, it's a Ponzi scheme. Eventually.
1: It is, yeah. yeah. It's basically an, an accounting Ponzi scheme.
0: Yeah, it's a Ponzi scheme you're playing on yourself. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so and this is how it all started to happen. On a, a guy named Brad Draper uh, traded in his car on July 4th, 2018, um, the, the greatest day of the year. Um, <laughs> he got a truck and was able to get his registration and tags. The dealership gave him a check for twenty-seven thousand five hundred and sixteen dollars to give to the bank holding his car note. He said it seemed like everything was okay until July thirty-first, two thousand and eighteen. That is the day that uh, Rager Dykes ended up filing for bankruptcy. Now he's uh, he contacted the. Oh, I'm sorry. No, this was uh, he. He had deposited the check, uh, and the, they called him back saying he owed him money. The check bounced to pay his car off. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So now he said he immediately called the lien holder on the car that he traded in, and was told that, uh, and was told at that time that no one had paid it off, and I don't know that it was paid off. So he's like, "Oh, shoot, got by on that one. Uh, Glad I didn't get caught up in that mess." He said. And then he got a call from the bank 45 days later saying that he was late on his payment because the the check, the twenty seven thousand dollar check he gave, insufficient funds, bounced. Got it. So then Draper uh, traded in. uh, He's like, so he's still. (laughs) <laughs> he still had his new truck that he was, or his new car that he was making payments on, and his truck payment. And he said he didn't want to ruin his credit. And so now, like he said, up until they got the shit cleared, he was paying $1,200 a month in okay. car payment. Yeah. Cause he had, you know, <laughs> like either if he doesn't fucking pay the thing, it's like his credit goes to shit. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. So that's just, that's insane. Another thing was uh, another uh, crack that it showed was there was a lottery winner in Abernathy, Texas. This guy named uh, uh, Arturo Cantu. He won one hundred and seventy-four million dollars, and he decided that he wanted to use his winnings to help his church. So uh, they Aww. built a new, yeah, yeah, yeah built a new uh, sanctuary. That was cool stuff. Um, they also bought a brand new church van for Rager Dykes. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 Wrong move, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jesus, take the wheel and drive me away from this place. <laughs> so, uh, so they yeah, it was, they they go there. They they buy the van. Uh, it, it kicks off a year-long struggle to get the fucking title to the van because oh my God. dealership never paid the van off. Right, so, they,
1: so you can't no, give the title if you've never if you haven't yeah. paid it
0: off. Yeah. So, like, and I was talking to uh, I was talking to um, uh, again my, my friend David, and he was saying that is uh, very common uh, in car dealerships because that's just not necessarily that they're doing like any kind of scheme, but they're just fucking. That's how you can generally the first sign like that's the uh, the bird box <laughs> letting you know that, that that some shit's about to go under. Yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah, when people like customers start coming back with those stories. <laughs> there was this, this burger place in my town that like it was it was always a burger place but it was like five different like franchises and they never mm-hmm. Quite like got off the ground all the world right like
1: around. all the, they just kept the kitchen equipment the same but they kept yeah, selling the place exactly
0: same, damn damn to your same menu and stuff but for a while it was called big league burgers that was like the last iteration of it before it became a taqueria and so uh my my ex-girlfriend priscilla worked there we were in high school and uh she said one day they uh they got their checks and the boss was like hey you guys need to wait until uh tomorrow to cash these and she's like all the older people she worked with were like well well time to find a new job yeah <laughs> yeah this is no good yeah i did sure enough they showed up to work the next day and the shit was fucking closed so, <laughs> that's how it goes it'd be like that sometimes
1: yeah so, yeah if your boss says that to you de- cash it right away yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah, cash it right away and look for a new job
0: yeah i worked for a, an economically depressed burger joint for a while called crazy <laughs> <laughs> called crazy canadian and uh that dude is one of the most peculiar men i've ever met in my whole life uh his name's crazy they call that's his nickname. people call him crazy and so this fool like when they were starting to fuck up uh me and my boy jeremy worked uh all day one day because the guy took like the only sick day he ever took and he <laughs> was gone all day and so we were there and it was slow as shit. no business from two to four this like nobody was in the store we we're just sitting there mm-hmm. and we came to work the next day we were looking at the schedule and he had marked on each day and said pat and jeremy minus two to four and i was like uh what's what's that about mike and he was like well, no one came in. I was like, Yeah, that's not how jobs work. <laughs> wow. Wow. Was, oh, so should I just pay you guys for standing around doing nothing? I was like, Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I could have been at home doing nothing, but I was here. <laughs> I yeah. was doing
1: nothing on your dime, motherfucker. Yeah, no yeah,
0: yeah. Cost you a business, motherfucker. So, anyways, yeah, that's when money problems start happening. It's time to, time to bounce. So, uh, yeah, so what happens next in, in this saga? And depending on who you ask, was either fast action on the part of Gary bird jr and Ford finance to stop a massive fraud or cover up their involvement in it. So, uh, so, and this is what's kind of shady. Like, I mean, like whatever, but like they, so they knew that Bart Rager and Rick Dykes were on vacation. Um, did hours of research, could not determine if they were on vacation together. (laughs)
1: But But they were both gone.
0: They're both both gone. Were they at the same Sandals Resort? I don't know. (laughs) Undetermined. Yeah. yeah. Both get back with a sunburn. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, they were on vacation. And uh, so it was July 26th and 27th. Ford, like they sent, like they called a corporate security team, which I just imagine is like the, like the shit from Perfect Dark, <laughs> just like like <laughs> like mercenary corporations and shit. But they sent, uh, yeah, they sent uh, these these like you know audit teams essentially uh, onto the premises of a Rager Dykes twenty two locations and conducted a surprise audit. Now, one month before this, not all, or two months before, not only did they win the president's award, but um, what's his face? Uh, your, where does yeah, your fucking homie Gary Bird that you love so much, not <laughs> <So>, uh, <laughs> Gary Bird Jr had emailed them, or wrote wrote them a handwritten letter, praising them on a smooth and satisfactory audit. They hey, we conducted the audit, you guys are good to go. Which is like- Wait,
1: when did they say they conducted the audit?
0: This was in April, that they sent the letter. So yeah, they they audited them in April, everything came back fine. Um, Whether they were just doing like financial audits, but it seems like if you're doing, you know, you're auditing the cars, like what else, you know, but then again, I have to think, like, did they send somebody out to all those locations? Because we used to audit the pawn shops, and that's like 65,000 pieces of merchandise. And it would just be like a week long. Where we were just finding everything in the store and scanning it, you know? So, I mean, I don't know if they sent these people out there, but they – either way, whatever their criteria was for the audit or what it contained, they praised them for it. They were like, hey, good audit. But it's right. a weird, weird thing to write a letter about, but okay. very
1: weird to just be like, hey – Everything looks normal. Yeah
0: yeah, job. yeah, yeah. I just wanted to get this in writing, <laughs> you know, like, like <laughs> the poor man's copyright. Just send it to himself. exactly. So, um, so yeah. So they that just the month before they said that. Then July twenty sixth, twenty seventh, they you know jump out Alphabet boys jumping out the out of out of the, the backs of black SUVs run up on the uh, on the premises of Ford Finance, um, and they they just did a surprise audit. So they came seeking info on 150 vehicles that they had recently funded the purchase of. Of those 150 vehicles, 147 were found to be out of trust, meaning that they should have already had the payments made on them and they weren't. Wow. Yeah. Three. Uh, so
1: three yeah, were okay.
0: Yeah, yeah three, three were good. Um, so and in some cases, like, yeah, they, they were, the payments were 55 days late. There's a seven-day window on that. So that's very late.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, they say many of the vehicles were entered in inventory several times. Some weren't even there. So it's just a total shit show back at Rager Dykes. Barton Rick, right?
1: Like, but nothing, nothing that's happening on paper has any correlation to what's actually happening at these dealerships. Yeah. And the fact that they audited them one month before and everything was fine means that, like, likely there were people who were in on it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I always, I always go back to like the, the, the fucking thing from Casino. He's like, either you know, you're stupid or you're in on it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Barton Rick returned to Lubbock immediately. And they meet with gary bird uh now again okay. uh, 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 keep in mind same gary bird who just previously said that they were you know the greatest thing uh in the history of audits right uh, yeah give <laughs> them an
1: award R- for it for yeah, he's
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he made up the award he's like, you get the gary bird gold star of being badass <laughs> <laughs> so uh, bart Rager met with uh, gary bird uh, who informed him that he would be shutting down all of his dealerships in the foreseeable future. And according to Gary, Bart said, I will shoot your fucking ass.
1: <laughs> Texas baby. Yeah,
0: all I was thinking about, I was like, man, you know that Bart is strapped up. <laughs> that was not a hollow threat. <laughs> so yeah, he told me to shoot his fucking ass. Um, all in all, Ford Finance found that it was owed 115 million. And so that's just like an insane amount of money. Like that's yeah. and, so 115 million, uh, and they asked for 40 million to be paid immediately because, of course, they did. That's so, fair. Yeah, yeah, see, like, yeah More and, than
1: fair, I would say. If I owe
0: somebody 115 bucks, and they were like, "Hey, can I get 40?" I'd be like, "Dude, yes,
1: absolutely." So, yeah, give me hey, a day. Dude. I
0: got to move some things around, but I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, so this is what happens next, basically. So Bart and R- Bart Rager, and Rick Dykes denied all knowledge of any fraud. And insisted that it was done completely under the watch of Shane Smith, Um, which you know. And here's where I'm I'm kind of torn because, like, a no, no, it didn't. A you had to know about it, but then there's also a part that, like, again, I was talking to my homie Dave, and he was saying, like, yeah, man, he was like, so many of those big those big auto dealerships, the the finance or the you know the main guys, they check in to like pick up their gym bag and they're out the fucking door, you know, like right.
1: If they're if like again speaking to the fact that like the people who own the people who ultimately like take the bulk of the profits from things like don't contribute value to the organization like (laughs) like, this is like capitalism 101 like the 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 ceo is not the one who's actually like running things on a day-to-day basis no
0: he is not it's
1: very it's very possible that like these guys well maybe they were initially involved when they built it up to a, a certain point of empire they were just like, well, now I just get to live off of this. So I'm going to yeah. go on vacation. Yeah. So, and I'm going to be the figurehead. So I show up at the award ceremony and I show up at the ribbon cutting, but like, yeah. I'm not here day to day.
0: Yeah. And, and that's what, like, like the only thing that like, that takes it away from me, there's a couple of things. So that what takes it away from me for that is that also like Bart Rager's like visibility. I do understand being visible in TV commercials and being on site is one thing, but like he was, you know, he was always fucking there. And then also, yeah, yeah, that, that. That, um, that speech that he gave, which you can find, I'll, I'll link the audio to it. It's, just, it's, it's pretty long, but it's like very, it's just, it's, it's funny. Cause he's like, but he like sounds like, like, for example, at one point he's talking about, uh, kind of openly calling out of certain branches for underperforming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's like, you know, he's like now he's like, some of y'all I'm like, I'm not going to name names. He's like, you know, some of y'all ain't doing shit. You guys are fucking up. He's it's very profanity-laden. He's like, you guys are me- messing up. And he's like, but, you know, then he names a few branches. He goes, now, Spike Dykes? Spike Dykes? I, I ain't got to look twice at Spike Dykes. I know what's going on out there, and they're doing good. And I know that. So he seemed like he had. Yeah, if he knows,
1: like, it. if he has comparisons to offer between people, like, he at least has his nose in the books a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, man, I I, I don't know. Really, we didn't talk about this here, but um, the, the, you know, the Lululemon murders? The Lululemon murder or whatever? I don't think so. Oh, the Lululemon yoga pants uh, empire or whatever. Like there was like, I guess they have like this crazy like corporate like success culture and like. It, 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 yeah, you know,
1: I knew that they had like a crazy. The guy who owns it is like insane.
0: Yeah, man, just something just instantly sketchy about a dude who owns a yoga pan empire. It's like okay, yeah, bro. <laughs> very weird.
1: But yeah, he's like a crazy like libertarian guy, if I remember right.
0: Yeah, and like they have this like this wild ass like success driven like culture, and people talk about like you know, that kind of like forming like toxic uh, environments. And he mm-hmm. definitely feels like he, he he's crafting that. Now how, how toxic it was, was is, is for me to know because I didn't work there. But he definitely was at like, at one point in that speech, he was like, you know, I'm tired. If you want to let piece of shit people ruin your chance to make a lot of money. Basically, he was telling people like call employees out that like weren't like. Yeah. Ass. Wait,
1: hold on. I need you to go back. Who got murdered at Lululemon?
0: Oh yeah. I did. I did. I did just gloss over that. Didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, some broad and it was good, back. <laughs> no, apparently it was two employees. And one of the, the employees saw an employee stealing like a, I don't know, a $9,000 pair of pants or the fucking the much they cost. <laughs> and, uh, and, and was either going to tell on her. And I don't even know if it was the one that saw that saw her is one that got killed or she killed the person who did it. Cause she was like, how dare you one of the two. So, Pants but there was pulled. a an
1: inter employee Lululemon murder. Yes, because of yoga pants.
0: Yes, and it happened okay. on site. It happened. It happened on site. And I believe she hid the body in one of like the back store rooms.
1: God damn! I'll have to yeah. read about
0: that. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, they did a my favorite murder about it. Um, you know, if I, I listened to the first hour where they just talked and then I got into that. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, shots fired. Buck, buck, buck. No, it's like, <laughs> I shamelessly plugged the podcast the other day. I stopped in for a coffee at this place. Uh, and this girl's listening to my favorite murder. And I was like, Oh, I have a podcast similar to that. Although it's also <laughs> not similar to it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Getting the word out. Thank you. Yeah, Matt. Got to. So it was anyway, so what, what happens now? This is kind of, um, yes, yeah, so they, they deny all knowledge. Uh, and yeah. this Kind of a timeline where where things is, it's kind of moving a little fast now. So in August 2018, the dealership would file for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Uh, and then September 10th, they uh, Rager Dykes Auto Group uh, submits to federal bankruptcy court initial plans to sell dealerships and uh, it lists a potential buyer uh, that actually did not come to fruition. And later in September of 2018, the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles states that the agency reviewed 100 customer complaints of unprocessed documents in the aftermath of the dealership's bankruptcy filing. So again, you know, like, like the people at the top make these moves, and some people that suffer are, you know, people who are paying double car notes now and can't. Right, the-
1: like you had 100 customer complaints. You probably could have looked at those a little earlier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like before the lenders started getting fucked, you probably could have looked at how the debtors were getting fucked.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. But that's you know, it's like, well, like the Martin Screlly, like, you know, he didn't go to jail for all the other shit he did, but when he fucked with some people's money, you know, he fucked with rich people's money, that's when he went to prison, yeah. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so um at this point, that's September 20th, first bank and trust, I believe that was red. <laughs> it was the first bank and trust. It was the red <laughs> Uh, and seven other defendants accused them of breaching contracts and check kiting. Um, now, there's a whole other portion of this that I don't really want to get into because it's like you know we only have so much time. But um, all these, uh, a couple of these banks that they were working with are are now being implicated as being part of the fraud as well. So really, that's so all, all this.
1: Awesome. Potentially, goes like all over the place. Like, how yeah, many people yeah. Learn on this
0: exactly. It's almost kind of like, did they not want to let them fail because it was it was such a huge they, they employed eight hundred people, you know? It's, it's like a huge, right. Like, I so mean, I'm, it
1: like I I feel like it at some point. It's like the whole so like money as a thing only has value because everyone agrees that it has value, right? Yeah. So if you get every single person to just agree to this scam, then like it becomes legitimate because yeah. like that's what value is yeah, like, yeah. value is just an agreed upon uh like tenant like a, an agreed upon uh like theory so if you're yeah. just like well everybody's okay with this the people lending me the money the banks the accounting firm like then it just like becomes real the only yes. pe- again the only people who really get fucked are the people at the bottom
0: yeah yeah your, your employees and you know and like and th- we'll get into it they're 18 employees uh, got charged and are facing like wire fraud charges. Uh, you know, it's, it's all like, it's pretty much their accounting department and like branch managers,
1: mm-hmm. branch, branch,
0: you know, they're all in on it. But it's like, again, those like, you know, at the end of the day, like the person working in the accounting office of a car dealership, that's a very middle-class job. Like, you know, they're, they're fucked and they got pulled in on it. And I'm sure, I'm not saying they were following orders and didn't know what they were doing, but again, yeah, when everybody's doing it and your boss is like, Hey, this is what we do. Who are you to be like now? Nah, I'm gonna step. I'm gonna walk away from this and get, go get a job. Where you know, like right? Yeah, it's 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 crazy, and like it really shows. Like you take the lead when you're in charge, man. Like you you set the tone, and if you don't set the right tone, this happens. So yeah, wild. I, I just I've mentioned this I think before, but uh, at my pawn shop, we had to get rid of a bunch of flood damage merchandise, and you're supposed to take a picture of it, break it, and take another picture of it to submit mm-hmm. to the insurance thing. So we blocked off a whole day. Where we were doing just that. And our area manager showed up for some reason, was like, hey, I'm here to help you guys. And I was going to bust up a, it was kind of cool. I just got to break a bunch of shit all day. It was one of the best days of my life. Um, and we were, and there was a bunch of digital cameras. And I, he took the picture of them and I went to go smash him. And he goes, oh, hey, Pat, you want one of those digital cameras? And I was like, "Uh, I mean, no, I'm good. He goes, no, take one. I was like, okay, take, take two. So I ended up taking two digital cameras. <laughs> and then he started doing this shit with everybody. It was like, hey, don't smash that TV. Take it. Put it in your car. Get out of here. The TV. And like, so next, it it, it, it turns like kind of into a free for all, like real fast. <laughs> like Sure. Even, yeah. Like Seven employees were just like taking shit out of the store. My, my boss was sitting there and she was shaking her head. She was like. I, I can't believe how my employees are acting right now. Almost same sentence, her son pulled up with a dolly, and he got a fucking set of six by nine speakers. Nice. <laughs> and then so at the end of the day, though, uh, Chuck was the guy's name, the area manager. Chuck and his wife and his son walked out with a very nice laptop that was not flood damaged in an Xbox 360. <laughs> so yeah. It was, yeah. It was like, and none of those items were not Blood damage. They were just, hey, we're taking these. And it was yeah. like now who could say what? Nobody could say anything. We all we all stole <laughs> the hands. Right. So uh yeah so basically they uh they get so they they try to sell they they try to sell their uh their dealership uh twice both plans were abandoned uh finally in april This 2nd, is
1: after after they've all been indicted and stuff yeah, they try to yeah, sell it
0: yeah all the thing, yeah they're trying to like sell like you know the remaining property and the inventory they do own you know? okay so after everything said and done, uh, Dykes, Rick Dykes, agrees to a $58 million judgment in the civil lawsuit with Ford Motor Credit. So that's insane. How do you ever make that amount of money? Like, that's wild.
1: I mean, it's only half of what he ended what he owed.
0: So yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> it's kind of yeah, a deal
1: I mean, in some ways.
0: Yeah. It's a cost to doing business. Uh, <laughs> so then, yeah, then a... Uh, and an agreement to resolve some outstanding Rager Dykes customer tax title license issues was approved in bankruptcy court. Uh, since then, the County Tax Collector's Office in Lubbock has actually processed 359 transactions for affected customers. So, you know, people are getting their loose ends tied up finally. Uh, May 9th, 2019, International Bank of Commerce forecloses on Rager Dykes property. That includes the American Merrick Green and Cobb buildings downtown, which as far as I understand are still vacant. So they had their little yeah. t- they had their time back in the spotlight, and that's it. Man. Uh, and then in May of 2019, a judgment uh, was passed by a judge in the favor of Ford Motor Credit against Bart Rager, and he had to pay $46 million. Okay, so, so
1: now we're together approaching the amount of money they owed.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just split it down <laughs> the middle, which I respect. You know, <laughs> okay. um, It's funny. He's like, hey, man, could you just pay it in cash? I'll Venmo you, and it disappears. <laughs> oh, uh, so, uh, so, yeah, so... Then finally, uh, in June, former rigor Dykes chief financial officer Shane Smith pleads guilty in an Amarillo court to count a, to a count of conspiracy to commit wire fraud. That good old fashioned standby on this podcast, classic, our everybody, bread and butter. Yeah, everybody got wire fraud, and apparently, <laughs> uh, when they transmit the, the the bank data and the VIN numbers, they do it over secured wires, and they did it fraudulently. But of a big course, word, baby, you've got wire fraud. <laughs> So, um would you guys crowdfund a, a romantic comedy we wrote called you've got wire fraud
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's two people who are de- attempting to defraud each other uh, yeah. <laughs> without knowing it and uh, they fall in love and then they discover that they're trying to scam each other
0: yeah oh, it's gonna be a, a, a huge hit uh, <laughs> Yeah it's so like I have a whole list of like things of people uh um and employees. That like, like literally a handwritten scribbled list like a crazy person of just employees from rigor dykes that have pled guilty. It came out to like eighteen. Uh I mean, look at it like a lot of fraud. Uh Ashley Nicole Dunn, that's uh that was Shane Smith's assistant, uh mm-hmm. facing five years and twenty three million in fines. Um everybody's facing five years and twenty seven million in fines. Uh He's not- that number, 27 million, that's for each person. For each person, yes. Yeah. And now, yeah, these not a problem. I don't have like an end, an end result of what happened with this. I don't think they're going to charge the fucking former office manager at the uh, Raven right. Sports Mitsubishi dealer in Lubbock with $27 million, but <laughs> that's what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, they're talking about, I don't think they're going to get it from, them, obviously. One girl, Andrea Phillips, she was an accounting associate, uh, which just sounds like the lowest rung. So, for her. Um, she is got, she got in trouble for it's called miss Prison of a felony which basically where you see a crime being committed you don't do anything about it mm-hmm. so she got hit with that um yeah the whole laundry list of uh of things uh that, that happened as far as employee charges but uh bart rager uh a little recap this bart rager has taken to any form of media that will allow him to be on it <laughs> to tell his side of the story, because
1: uh, so he's still maintaining innocence, right?
0: He's still maintaining innocence. Yes, even he's though he, like Shane
1: Smith did everything.
0: Yeah, even though he, he agreed to pay forty six million dollars, and I'm sure that's you know that that's a I, I'm sure if you know Bart Rager, that's a talking point that flies out of his mouth every five minutes. <laughs> yeah, uh, like but he um he produced, it, well I'm gonna say he produced obviously he fucking. Just, he did something because uh, there was a, a video. I was looking at a video from Bart Rager. And there's a video that was like, uh, Texas Car King set story straight. And I was like, okay. That's says I clicked. That was like a 12-minute video. I was like, oh, that's a lot of content. I could probably learn a lot from this. And, and I click on it. And it's it's it starts off with the story about the church van, or the guy trying to buy the church van.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's like – and then basically it cuts to like uh, after a year of him to deal with it, Shay. Uh, Bart Rager sent him a fucking email. Was like, or, or got in contact with him, and basically was like, "Hey man, I feel sorry that you came to me to to get your van, and we abused your trust." And then it's like five minutes about how what a badass dude Bart Rager is. How he like took care of this. Right, customer like van. I'm such
1: a hero for uh, trying to fix the fact that my company fucked this guy over
0: yeah 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 you're welcome world yeah and so i was looking at it i was like damn because it it, it looks like like a a local news piece like like that style of video Mm -hmm. and graphics on the screen and shit Mm -hmm. and i started looking for like a news imprint or whatever and what website it was on and it was from a youtube channel from a, a local video production company in lubbock and so basically bart rieger like funded a fluff piece about himself (laughs) yeah
1: yeah just paid to put this propaganda out
0: yeah and it ends with the uh that to me is
1: a sure sign that this dude is guilty if he's he's like producing his own uh videos of his like counter narrative it's like yeah you're super guilty
0: yeah and he does the trump move where he goes people are texting me all the time saying i'm glad you're getting a chance to tell your side of the story they
1: they come up to me they thank me they tell me all the time
0: uh, and then so it, it ends with, it is, I, I think that the story should come to a close is, um, basically, yeah, he, he really bent over backwards to get this guy his title for the church van, And it's the pastor. Um, and, uh, the pastor has, uh, he basically said, you know, the fact that he would, he would go out of his way to help somebody this much, uh, it just really speaks to who Bart Rager is. And, and I can truly and confidently say that Bart Rager is a man of God. <laughs> so, oh man. <laughs> So, yeah, bringing we about,
1: out the priest to absolve him
0: yeah so that is that is the story of uh of the rager dykes auto group in lubbock texas it's it's meteoric rise to fame and it's uh it's fucking overnight fall to shame
1: yeah uh, i mean that's like that's such a crazy story because it sounds like they were like really propping up the economy of lubbock and then taking them down is like two buildings in their downtown are vacant now like this has probably hurt a lot of people.
0: Yeah, it has. Eight hundred people are out, of, you know, out of a job. Um, you know, like, and then, you know, also, like, I would imagine, like, trying to get another job if you were from Rager Dykes, like, that may not be the best look. It may be difficult to find work depending on what you did for the company. Like, right? Did, you know, it, it just sucks, and like everybody gets painted with that brush. So everybody that is works for that company, and you know, this is like this is Lubbock too. It's not like a, I don't know. It's like yeah, everybody, everybody kind of knows each other's business, and you know, they're real big on you know things like you know like like uh like honesty and trust and shit like that like people are real quick to be like oh that, that motherfucker's a thief you know like it's it's right it's like they're not you may not walk away from this with the best reputation intact and it's that's that's a shame for everybody you know and yeah. so i would say worth it ultimately no because it sounds no. like they, they just did a bunch of running around like you ever like exit a stage of your life and like have something change and be like, man, I was running around doing a lot for nothing, yo. Like, I would run, right. like, or, like, leave a job. Like, I, I had a shitty job that I used to take a taxi to in Connecticut just because I didn't want to lose it. That yeah. wasn't a shitty job. But I, I would take a taxi there. And in retrospect, I'm like, yo, what was I doing? I just got a different job. Like, it's just, yeah. it feels like they did a lot of running around for ultimately a failed endeavor. So, and then they still owed you know, 100 million between them. So ultimately, yeah, definitely not worth it, I would say. Well,
1: like, and this is the thing is, like, I I mean, watching what happened when we all had to kind of stop working and, and go inside and wait out this pandemic is, like, you realize that, like, the entire economy is over leveraged like this. Like, the way that these people were working so hard to, like, fuel this constant growth beyond the... Real demand that was there for what they had, yeah. Like that ultimately caused them to fail, and that's like kind of what I mean. That's like like when that's kind of what happened to like the airline industry at the beginning of this. Is like they not that they were in, in involved in in fraud, but they were like using all of their profits to do stock buybacks to like inflate the price of their stock to the point where they had no money like saved or reserved to yeah. deal with like flights not happening. So they're like if you cancel our flights for a week we will go bankrupt. Like
0: that yeah, it's
1: the same sort of mentality that leads to things like this.
0: Yeah, and it's like to what end, you know? It's 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 Right, what's the yeah. point?
1: Like what's yeah. the point of being successful and making all this money if you uh, like don't have it. If you're yeah. constantly <laughs> like forcing this growth and this expansion to the point where you have to make up shit to fund it. Like why? Yeah,
0: yeah. what what are you what are you walking away from with it like ultimately you know you could have the, the lofty ideals of like I oh, just want to do these good things for the community. Well, guess what? You, you you undid them. Like they're not like the community is now worse off because of your actions. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it, it's yeah, I mean, what a yeah, what a bizarre just crazy waste of time. It's like I'm not like I i want to like achieve success, obviously, in, in anything that I do, like, you know, in the fields that I I endeavor in. Sure. But there is like a type of person like that I I was exposed to when I was in the business world that I just don't readily identify with. And those are the people that rise at the top of the business world where it's just like the the idea is being successful, like like or, or right. being able to say, I did this. You know, right.
1: They're so, like it, the sharks, like the people that never stop moving.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. They just you know, they they like it's a, that's what drives them and you know if that's what you gain personal satisfaction from, you know, by all means, but like I always remember when I was leaving AT&T one day to drive to uh, western Massachusetts to do 5 minutes at an open mic cuz New England doesn't have a lot of open mics. And so I was driving to do a mic <laughs> in western Mass and I was getting off work early and I was leaving and our, our area manager was in there. He's like, "Oh, you taking off?" I was like, "Yeah, I got to I'm doing a some stand-up comedy tonight." And he goes, oh man, leaving one job to go get be, get paid at another man. I remember when I was in my twenties, get that money, baby. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, sir, this is no, no, no. This is costing me. Actually, <laughs> I didn't say that. I was just like, hell yeah, baby, snap next. Right, next.
1: exactly. Walk the, <laughs> walk the walk.
0: Just forget yeah, get about that it. player. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> that's the story of Rager Dykes. Definitely not worth it. Uh, if you are a listener that lives in Lubbock and knows anything about this, reach out to us. You know, we're on Twitter at uh, at at lie cheat steal pod, right? That's us. LCS, uh, LCS
1: podcast. podcast. <laughs>
0: oh boy, howdy! It's
1: LCS podcast is our Twitter.
0: <laughs> at LCS podcast, but if you have like an interesting story, just reach out. If you are Bart Rager and you would like to talk to us, uh, you know what? And I'll even settle if you're Rick Dykes. I'll talk to your boring ass too. <laughs> um
1: yeah um we are we're lcs podcast on twitter but we are lie cheat and steal everywhere else so uh we do one of these free ones every month and then we do two uh patreon only bonus episodes uh our patreon is patreon.com slash lie cheat and steal and d it's five bucks a month we have we have a discord uh it's it's very cool it's a lot of fun um give us five stars on itunes if you if you can't uh, or don't want to pay us, that is a very uh, easy free way to help us out. Um, yeah. What am I forgetting for
0: plugs? Um, I th- I think that's I think that's it. All uh, right, cool. Well, yeah,
1: yeah we have, thanks for listening, everybody.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, one fun thing about our uh, our. Um, our Patreon, is uh, we recently did an episode about a, uh, a rapper named Chad Focus, and uh, he joined our Patreon to, to tell us that we got his story wrong.
1: Yeah, and, he left a comment uh, trying to set the record straight about how he he's uh, actually not a scammer. He's, yeah. uh, he's a, a philanthropist in his own right. So yeah, and,
0: well, We weren't speaking with him, Kath. We were actually speaking with his, his, his assistant.
1: Right. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Chad Focus said you got it all wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. My friend yeah. Chad, he's actually a great dude. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. Great
1: yeah dude. So be like Chad Focus's friend and and join the Patreon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Chad Focus didn't join our Patreon. His friend did. Never mind. I take back <laughs> all the respect I've been giving him. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. But that's just kind of kind of fun stuff you might bump into on there. So guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh look for us on all the stuffs, you know, that's where we're at. And um aside from all that, uh guys, thanks for tuning in and don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time. Bye.